Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> It's summertime in the living 80s here on Marking Out the Days, the rebrand season with the Mount Rushmore of SummerSlam. And here are your hosts, Kobe Nida and Dave Rosenblatt. Oh, thank you very much, Dave. Um, uh, that was the past Vince McMahon. This is the future Vince McMahon and the summer is heating up. I'm sweating. Over here, <laughs> literally. God damn, pal. Hey, yeah. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, the rebrand of the marking out the days as we are doing a Mount Rushmore. That's usually a kicking out a two theme. Um, but, but yeah, I, I thought you know, bring it over here, kind of add a little flavor, give you some of that kicking out of two dust. You mm-hmm. know, sprinkle a little bit of that dust on there. Uh, you know, I, I originally you and I talked we were going to do like a super Mount Rushmore of all different kinds of Mount Rushmore topics, and then I thought to myself. You know, maybe we should just narrow it down because I was kind of going in that 2018-2019 Kobe Night of Territory where you got like 18 different topics you want to discuss in 90 <laughs> minutes. And, you know, we do like a speed read, if you will, yeah, of yeah. what took place. SummerSlam 1992, open up with money, it gets a legion to do. Then we have the model Rick Martel facing Shawn Michaels. Nails defeated Virgil, crushed defeated the Repo Man, Beverly Brothers lost to the Natural Disasters. Then the main event, we have the Ultimate Warrior and the Macho Man Randy Savage going to a draw. Undertaker and Kamala, and then... The double main event. The British Bulldog defeated Bret Hart in front of the Wembley Stadium, 1992, for the Intercontinental World Wrestling Federation Championship. It read better. <laughs> is all I'll say. Yes, uh, yeah, it did. Thank you, Dave. But yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm surprised you actually haven't done this one kicking out at two. You know what? I, I, I like to, to, to spread the wealth. Um, well, thank you very and, much. Um, but no, just in, in, in the sense that, like, you know, I don't want to, you know, shoot my wad and let all my good content come out. But, you know, I'm sure that I'll do a, 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 a SummerSlam Mount Rushmore with, like, the, be- the best main events or the best matches or the best, you know, the worst matches, the best opening matches. So, you know, I did that with a few WrestleManias. I've done best WrestleMania main events, worst WrestleMania main events. Um, Opening WrestleMania matches on awesome. Mount Rushmore. Where can so you, you find, can find all that stuff? You can find all of that on the Retro. Look at that segue. You can find all of that on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean by searching Retromania with a W. Uh, find all that great content, and you can find it on any podcasting platform available by searching Retromania with a W. I've been looking at the numbers. It's been really cool, satisfying to see um, the you know the. the Listeners have been coming out in droves to listen to some of the stuff. You had that bonus show with Jimmy and, and Will about the, the state of wrestling with WWE, Vince McMahon retiring. I checked that out. That was pretty cool. Um, the, the the What If with Bret Hart and Hulk Hogan from SummerSlam 93 is getting some real positive feedback. You guys are cranking out the, the, the downloads for that. I really appreciate it. As well as Cool Truth with AC. They've been talking to AEW, the 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 Con of Honor, the 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 minor league to AEW, aka Ring of Honor. So they, they they've been going down the rabbit hole when it comes to that. So summer's uh summer's heating up as we're getting to a close the Close to the end of summer, excuse me, um, here on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Other great shows, marking out the days, kicking out at two, um, Origins of Attitude, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, 
Uh, other great bonus content you can find over there by searching Retromania with a W. Yes, indeed. Thank you. All evergreen content for your ears, too. So every time you go back, feels fresh regardless. Um, so thank you, guys. I see a lot of people diving deep, too, as well and checking out some Yes, older, I saw older... some archive shows. Yeah. Um, very, very, very cool. cool. Appreciate um, it. So, yeah, this has been fun going back, watching the SummerSlams, though, uh, prepping for this. Did you Did you do the same at all? Yes, I did. Now, as I've gotten older when it comes to my wrestling viewing, um, I've, I've started, to re- started to realize less is more. Usually, a tradition amongst us Rosenbluth boys is that when it comes to WrestleMania, we will try to watch every WrestleMania, or at least moments from every WrestleMania, up until WrestleMania itself. Hell yeah. Um, and in the last couple of years, we've kind of skipped a few WrestleManias. At least my brother, ha- my brother Justin, he watches them all. Starting Christmas morning, and then all the way till we get to um, Re- the WrestleMania itself. But this year, when it came to Summer Slams, um, I tried to watch a few that fall in line with like the milestone anniversaries. Like I watched SummerSlam '97. We just reached the 25 year anniversary of that show. Um, I watched 2002 SummerSlam, which you know we're going to be approaching the 20 year anniversary. I watched SummerSlams '89 and '90. Uh, so. Um, I, I, I've picked and choose my summer slams when it comes to viewing, uh, just stuff that's, you know, fond memories and, and also preparing for, you know, my Mount Rushmore of greatest summer slam events of all time. Now for me personally, I don't know what your criteria is, but my criteria when it comes to the Mount Rushmore of summer slams is obviously there's gotta be some banger matches on there. There's gotta be some great bouts, matches that are, are, are history making that, that, Last a lifetime in wrestling history. Some happenings. Some memorable moments. Doesn't necessarily have to be a great match, but there has to be memorable moments in my mind that I go back and look like, oh yeah, that's right. That took place at that SummerSlam. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm going to go watch that one. Um, and the finishes as well. Like the, the Whether it concludes a storyline or even jumpstarts a newer storyline, I felt like those are the three basic criterias um, actually, and a fourth one too. Like, it, I, I gotta have fun watching it. So, if I thought it was fun, if I thought this was something worth watching the entire show, then without a doubt, it's on my Mount Rushmore of SummerSlam. So, um, those are my basic criteria. My four, ba- my Mount Rushmore of criteria for my SummerSlam Mount Rushmore is, is <laughs> are those are those criterias, if you will, um, when it comes to that. What about you? I think I fall in the same place as you. Um, I did have a very difficult time going back watching all these Summer Slams because mm-hmm. uh, the older ones brought up the nostalgia feels, you know, like just like wow, these are these are great to watch. And then sometimes, like I, I feel like uh, with age, uh, my preference for how I wrestling, which what I what I like, you know, like the work rate in the ring rather than the characters and stuff. Um, so I did have like four runners up that were like the nostalgia. I could have like gone in and stayed in this one era, like the golden era with Hulk Hogan. And I, I chose to go a different route actually. For well, why, don't, why, why don't we, why don't we get into your runners up? Why don't we talk about your runners up first? So and then we'll get into the actual Mount Rushmore. It's itself. actually in sequence. Uh, SummerSlam, okay. SummerSlam 1988. SummerSlam 1989, SummerSlam 90, and SummerSlam 1991. Uh, Those are all your runners-up? Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, I loved them as a kid, and I was going to put some in my Mount Rushmore, but I decided to go in a different direction um, because I, I, I have a different taste in, in wrestling. Um, and mm-hmm. going back and watching some of these, I was like, man, that's a hell of a match. That's a hell of a match. That's an awesome, you know, match. That's a, that's a great story. Um, even though these ones like 88, 89, 90 and 91, which you may have on your Mount Rushmore, one of them. Um, I, I mean, they, they, they just brought up a lot of fond memories as a kid going to the rental store and, uh, picking up these VHSs. They were like always available. Um, and, yep. and I, I love SummerSlam, you know, SummerSlam is the B, uh, pay-per-view in the like order of the, the main four for WWE. Okay. You know, right. So you, so you think it ranks ahead of Royal Rumble? Yeah. Going back. May, maybe. I don't know. It's just, it seems mm-hmm. like they put a lot of effort into like every SummerSlam is always like stacked. The card is always stacked, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think I think when it, I'm right on the same path with you when it comes to SummerSlam, it's definitely the the the, the number two show of the year, um, or at least it, it during that era, during the Golden Age era, and I think it was the number two show of the year until Royal Rumble created more stakes with the winner getting a title shot um, at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's when it kind of shifted a little bit, but. At the same time, I mean, WrestleMania will always be the top show for WWE, but um, over the years, I think Royal Rumble and SummerSlam, in, even when Royal Rumble included the, the the title opportunity at WrestleMania as the prize, would kind of trade back and forth depending on the cards, you know, the respective cards. Um, they would kind of share the number two spot from time to time. For sure. Uh, at least in my opinion. But um, I'll be honest with you, I had a couple of... Uh, honorable mentions that I, you know, are going to throw in there as the the greatest SummerSlams of all time. Um, one of them being 1989. Uh, I was pretty close to putting that up there. Um, you talk about Heart Foundation and uh, the Brain Busters in a great Ooh. opener. Um, the the and here is another underrated match that I don't think gets enough love was the Rockers and Tito Santana against the model Rick Martel and the Rougeau brothers in a six-man tag team match. That was action wall-to-wall. And we kind of got to see early, you know, showstopper Shawn Michaels in in that match during some of the exchanges he had with Rick Martel, which, I, which looking back, I didn't notice it then, but looking back on it now, you could kind of tell they were they they saw something in him even in 1989. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, as, as it, to, to eventually move him up the ranks as a singles performer. Hell of a match. Ultimate Warrior and Rick Rude was a great match with the finish of Roddy Piper. And then, of course, you had the main event, uh, Hogan and, and Beefcake against Zeus and Randy Savage, Sherry and Zeus and Savage's corner, Elizabeth and Hogan and Beefcake's corner. Um, that was a lot of fun. That New Jersey crowd was hyped for just about every match on that card, um, yeah. going back and watching it. Um uh, so that makes my honorable mentions, as well as SummerSlam 2005 with okay. the main event, Hogan and Shawn Michaels, Icon vs. Icon. Um, 
the 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 Batista JBL World Heavyweight Title match, no DQ was pretty fun. Cena and Jericho was a lot of fun. Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio in the ladder match, custody for Dominic. As stupid as the stipulation was, the ladder match was great. Um, the personal rivalry with Edge and Matt Hardy, um, you know, the, the, it was just overall a, a really fun show to watch, but didn't quite make my top. Um, you know, my Mount Rushmore for, for SummerSlams. Okay. Yeah, I think going back, watching the 88, 89, 90, and 91, it it, it was just cool seeing the those characters evolved because the card, the, the, like, the roster didn't change up too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys, you get to see some of the growth. Like, you spoke of Ultimate Warrior and Rick Rude at 89 for the Intercontinental title, and then later... Uh, they battle for the WWF title in a steel cage at, at a later one, you know? Yep, at 90, yep. Yeah. Um, kind it, of saw it come full circle for them. Yeah, it was really cool. And then the the evolution of Hogan, brother, dude. Um, yeah. Yep. And uh, Heart Foundation, Brett, always uh, growing in those uh, big matches. Um, you see him with Demolition twice. Um the, you know, it's the early days, and then it's the Hart Foundation picking up the two out of three falls. Um, yes. It's awesome. And then Brett gets a singles uh, match against Mr. Perfect. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, it was really cool going back and watching those. But, alas, uh, I have uh, I have my Mount Rushmore, which is a solid different four. Um, okay. Would you like to begin? or? Yeah, you know what? Why don't I just kind of piggyback off what you're talking about? Because SummerSlam 90 actually makes my Mount Rushmore. Awesome. Um, uh, as, as, you know, the first first choice uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, I distinctly remember that summer of, uh, of, of 1990, the spring and the summer. August with, 27th, came, 1990. Yes. August 27th, 1990 from the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Um, a lot of reasons why I picked this, well, it's, some of them are personal. Um, as a kid growing up, uh, you've, you, you know this, everybody that listens knows this, big Hulkamaniac. Hogan gets taken out by Earthquake and on the Brother Love Show, and there's these Get Well Hulk Hogan uh, letters that you could write to Hogan. There was even like a Get Well Hulk Hogan tour, house show tour. I went to one of those shows. It was main evented by Duggan and Tugboat against Dino Bravo and Earthquake. Um, so I had a lot invested into as a kid into that SummerSlam with Hogan returning to face Earthquake, get his revenge with the big boss man in his corner. They just turned big boss man babyface a few months prior. Um, so it, it was I, I was really looking forward to that. That was also a big time as a youngster where they were really pushing the merchandise. They were making a stronger push for the merchandise. And I remember, and this may sound silly, I don't know, you know, if you could relate to this, but I remember when I was a kid when it went from the 80s to the 90s, okay? And we were heading into the 90s. The 90s had this like this this vibe of like being cool and 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 the future being bright and you saw a lot of like when it came to the merchandise, the different neon colors of like the Ultimate Warrior, the Hasbro's had just come out. Um, that, like I said, they were really pushing hard for the merchandise. And actually, on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, he talks about the introduction to the merchandise catalog uh, began with the Hulk Hogan Get Well um, uh, uh, letters that were read on TV every week. 
you wrote you wrote Hulk Hogan a letter. They had your address to send you a catalog. Mm-hmm. So I wrote Hulk Hogan a letter as a kid, and in the mail I got back a catalog with a free Hulk Hogan friendship bracelet. Now that <laughs> fat bastard tugboat didn't read my fucking letter on the air, but that was like. I just remember things like that. And so I'm kind of going off the beaten path here. But Hogan, you know, getting his revenge on Earthquake was a big deal. Um, obviously, Warrior and Rude in the cage. That was that, that was a lot of fun. Even though it was very short-lived, they kind of had that, that, that. They renewed that rivalry now that Warrior was the top guy, the WWF champion. Heart Foundation, Demolition, two out of three falls. The introduction of Crush as the third member of Demolition. Love it. The run-in from the, the Road Warriors, LOD. Which was like one of those moments where some of my friends who watched WWF didn't know who the LOD were, but I knew them from NWA. So I was like the cooler wrestling friend because I thought that I had I was up on the knowledge. Um, I was like a little mini Dave Meltzer, so to speak, without the dirt sheets and the, the, the messy off, office with papers everywhere. <laughs> um, and then the on that same card you had... Um, Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich defeating Mr. Perfect, Intercontinental title. Another guy who I was I, I remembered from the world class days in the after mag. Um, he was a surprise last minute because Beefcake um, got in the boating accident and you know almost lost his life. The Rockers uh, being attacked by Power and Glory in the opening match and injuring Shawn Michaels' knee that was pretty memorable. Mm-hmm. And then Sapphire. Joining up with the Million Dollar Man and leaving Dusty Rhodes in the middle of his match with the Macho King. Like, all of that took place on that SummerSlam. Like, to me, like, that was a a jam-packed night of fun matches, storyline development, new storylines put in place. The finishes were good. I just thought overall, like, that SummerSlam, to me, was, was, was... it's a it's a fond memory for me, and that's it's one of my favorites. Usually, every year I will watch it. We actually did a watch along of this uh, a couple of years ago on the twenty on the thirtieth anniversary. So you can go check that out in the archives. Justin and Dennis joined me. We watched SummerSlam ninety start to finish. If you want to watch it with us, find it in the archives over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network by searching Retromania with a W. But nonetheless, SummerSlam ninety makes my Mount Rushmore for all of those reasons I just explained. Very fun. I like that one, too. And Jake Roberts has that killer promo where the snake is wrapped around his neck and then it slicks back his hair at the very end. Um, oh, yes, that's right. With the bat, Before the Bad News Brown match. Yep. The snake versus the sewer rat. Yeah. With the big boss man as a and special it, guest referee. It's really just a possum. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do remember that. Uh, good times, good times. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I, I was going to go that route with uh, those four. But uh, like I said, all right. So my, my first one that makes it is SummerSlam 1998. Ooh, um, okay. This is a highway to hell. Madison Square Garden, yep. August 30th, 1998. Um, this is just my peak fandom, man. I was watching all the fucking time. Um, I was just in it to win it. You know, I had all the toys, so I would like replicate this all the time. I actually had this, um, SummerSlam on VHS and during a move, the tape got like torn in the center and it was during the Triple H and The Rock 
match. Oh. So I, 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 I took a chance and I rewound it and I started it and I tried to fix it and didn't. Uh, and back then VHSs were kind of expensive, uh, yep. especially for my age. So I was like, man, I got to go find SummerSlam 1998 again. Cause uh, it's just it's it's my peak fandom, man. Uh, D'Lo and Val Venus opening it up with a hot European match. Uh, the fans are just like crazy at the time. Look at the amount of signs that are there. Oh yeah, um, couldn't see anybody. Yeah, it's just it's it's it is one of their highest like rated uh, SummerSlams at to date. You know, I think um, mm-hmm. uh, the oddities. Getting in there with Kai and Ty, interesting, you know, oddity stuff. Anyhow, uh, X Pac and Jeff Jarrett always put on a good match. Hair versus hair, Jeff Jarrett, you you love to see him get his head shaved. Um, then we have an intergender match, which is Edge and Sable against Jacqueline and Mark Marrow. Um, that's like the first of its kind. Then a Lions Den match, which was awesome. I actually yes. went back and watched this, and it's a great match. Yep. Uh, Ken Shamrock and Owen Hart just, you know, I, I love the concept of the Lions Den match. I did at the time too as a kid. Uh, I thought they should have like included it more. Um, uh, then New Age Outlaws defeating Mankind in a Falls Count Anywhere match uh, really quickly, just like destroying him because he didn't have a tag team partner at the time. And then the the last two bangers that really just stand out: uh, Triple H and The Rock in the ladder match for the Intercontinental title. Went back and watched this. Uh, standout in ladder match. Um, underrated one, too. And it, 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 was, it was like the return of the ladder match uh, because we hadn't seen it in so long in WWF at the time. Yes. Um, and yeah. I, I loved both Triple H and The Rock, so this one was hard for me to choose as a kid, but this is kind of where I started liking Triple H more. Mm-hmm. Um, the fans were really behind him. Triple H was over. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, um, as could, a face here before he turned heel, yep. you know. Um, mm-hmm. And The Rock was a great heel, um, and it, it was it was awesome. Then the the last match, Stone Cold and Undertaker, um, just you know two badasses at the time. Uh, Undertaker hadn't done his full turn yet. Um, correct. Uh, no. Yeah. It was, he was kind of in transition. Yeah. Uh, based on the, based on how the story was going with, with, you know, yeah. Vince and Kane and if Kane's involvement was going to take place in the match and, and Kane was told to leave, but, uh, right at the beginning, Austin gets knocked out by Undertaker lifting his head up. Um, and you can see he's like woozy, but he carries on throughout the match and mm-hmm. it's just, it's just one of those classic, like, it's the classic match for both of these guys, but it, it fit both their styles, that brawling style, but also some technician stuff in there as well. Um, uh-huh. And Stone Cold just winning um, and hearing that pop and all the fans going crazy, uh, it, it was it was nice. And then the two acknowledging each other, um, then, yeah, this is just a standout for me. Um SummerSlam 1998. Yeah, that was a fun one. Um, didn't make my Mount Rushmore. I kind of thought about it uh, only because I remember this was one of the SummerSlams I was allowed to order as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was 
I was 15 at the time, so it was the summer before my junior year in high in high school, and uh, I was excited for you know Triple H and Rock to me was the one that stole the show, and it was it's a very underrated match by ladder match standards even today because you see a lot of the flips and the flying around but these guys really used the ladder and like punished each other with the ladder which i thought was great and this was right around the time where i started liking the rock because the the crowd got behind him and i just the 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 stuff when he did the people's elbow to hunter on the on the ladder i was and the crowd popped for it like to me that's where i was like i was like yeah like i can get behind this guy like he's like i kind of dig him i was a big hunter fan so I i was i was starting to get into both um, D'Lo and Val, good match. Uh, Jax Pac and Jarrett, good match. Um, I was a little disappointed in the, the, the match with the Outlaws because I was a big New Age Outlaws guy um, against Mankind, but I understand for the story purposes. And honestly, I, I was disappointed at Undertaker and Austin um, because I don't know what it was. I was expecting like a war between the two of them because they had built them up for like six or seven weeks. Like they announced that match like six or seven weeks ahead of time. Well, Austin and, gets knocked out early. And, and and yeah, and granted, that's probably plays a big part into the quality of the match itself. It still wasn't terrible, but I just remember being disappointed in the finish. Like I was honestly, I was expecting Vince to finally Vince to finally get one over on Austin. And he helped Undertaker win. Mm. Like that's that was the finish I was expecting out of that. But overall, that's a that's a good SummerSlam. I like that choice. Um, and maybe I'll go back and watch it. I mean, I didn't. I didn't it was one of the ones I did not watch this year. But maybe I'll go back and watch it. Yeah. Right on. Uh, all right, your next one. Yes, actually, I'm going in chronological order here. So I went from SummerSlam 90 to SummerSlam 1991, which happened to take place in Madison Square Garden. The Um, match made in heaven. The match made in hell. That's right, which is also another watch-along choice here on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network with my buddy Dean Yolanis. We watched that match. We watched that show together uh, last summer, as a matter of fact. You can find that in the archives because we watched it 30 years prior together in the in my, in my the, the TV den live? at my grandparents' house. Live. We watched it together live, and then we watched it just last year. Wow. Um, August 26, so, yeah. 1991. You guys sitting and watching this one. Yes, it was, you know, match made in heaven, match made in hell. This was a show that had a lot going on, too, and some really fun matches. Um, Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart, Intercontinental title, sold the show right there. Uh, Really moved Bret up the ranks. Um, Legion of Doom, winning the WWF Tag Team titles against the Nasty Boys. That was a lot of fun. The Virgil, winning the Million Dollar Championship over Ted DiBiase. That was cool. That long storyline just, like, finally culminating. Yep, it was like eight months that they had built that up between DiBiase, you know, kind of punking Virgil out, and yep. then Piper getting involved and, and training Virgil. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, what else was there that was that was pretty good? De- the Jailhouse match. Big Boss Man and the Mountie. I mean, um, the, the the vignettes when after Mountie loses and he goes through, you know, the, the the booking department of the jail. He gets fingerprinted, and then they take his picture, and then he's in the cell with the with the with the gay biker. And uh-huh. you know, back then homosexuality wasn't you know accepted in our in our society, so that that was kind of poked at um, at that time. Uh, and then, of course, match made in hell: Hogan and Warrior in a handicap match against the Triangle of Terror, Slaughter, 
Mustafa, which was the Iron Sheik, and Adnan, with Sid Justice as the referee. Yeah. So there was some there was some intrigue going into that because Sid, being a WCW guy who I knew of, um, I didn't really picture him as a babyface. I kind of expected that he was gonna, you know, turn on Hogan and Warrior or, or start something with the two of them. Eventually, he would start something with Hogan um, several months later. And then, of course, the match made in heaven. Randy Savage, Miss Elizabeth, I was a big Macho Man guy. Uh, when he got back together with Miss Elizabeth, um, it was really great stuff. Um, the, then, of course, the the aftermath at the wedding when Undertaker and Jake the Snake crashed the wedding, and there's the Cobra and the in the gift oh, yeah. during the when they're opening up the presents. Uh, even though that wasn't shown, to, that wasn't shown to the live audience. That was something that was pre-taped, and they aired that on the weekend on huh. one of their weekend shows. So that I didn't get to see that live. Really? Uh, I, I found it. Yeah, I found out when I was watching either Challenge or Superstars, and they show them. You know, they sh- they show Savage and Elizabeth with their first dance, and then Okerlund's there, and they're gonna open up the gift, and then boom, the Cobra comes out, and Sid made the save. Uh, Undertaker and Jake had powdered out. So yeah, it was. Um, it, it that to me that's that's another one that I even though I didn't watch it this year, I normally watch that show because. I watched it live at that time, and I said, like I said, with my buddy Dean, there was so much that happened on that show that you know ended some things, but also started some new stuff. It's it's definitely a classic SummerSlam, and it was in Madison Square Garden. New York crowd was hot for it. They were even hot for the opener, Power and Glory, and the Warlord against Texas Tornado, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and the British Bulldog. It's like, just that was even a, a fun, fun match. a fun match, yeah, yeah, and 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 you know by today's wrestling standards with fans. They want to see some kind of storyline development. But if you go back and you watch classic WWF, you know, content, a lot of their pay-per-views, they were built around four, maybe five matches. And the rest was just filler that was thrown together. But people still got into it. Like, you go back and watch some of those WrestleManias, there's matches that didn't have any build or didn't have a storyline in place until the match was announced. They would say, oh, yeah, Texas Tornado is going to take on Dino Bravo at WrestleMania 7. And then, boom, there you go. That's that. That's how it started. Now you need a personal rivalry. You need somebody to kidnap the other one's girlfriend or whatever to get things. It's So oh, my, my point is this SummerSlam action-packed, loaded, and on my Mount Rushmore for, for a number of reasons, but very fond memories for myself when I go back and watch this SummerSlam. Yeah, I, I remember renting this one a lot because just the thought of Ultimate Warrior and Hogan tag teaming, you know, yes. as a kid, you're just like, oh my god, yes. Um, it, it was it was fun. This one, WrestleMania six, those are like classics, um, that I rented all the time. Good one. All right, Dave. Uh, my number two on my Mount Rushmore, getting built up there, uh, August twenty seventh. 2000 SummerSlam 2000 from Raleigh. That's North that's Carolina. my next that that that's the next one I had on my Mount Rushmore. Let's talk about it. I remember watching this one live. Uh, the Black Box, nefarious means, pal. Um, <laughs> uh, man, I just loved it. It it was it was a big um, happening. You know, a lot of a lot of storylines culminating here and uh, taking off and peak attitude like you know like the the high work rate like on the the heels of the attitude era you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. right before we get to the ruthless aggression you know uh in the following years 
Um, but yeah, th- this is awesome, man. Uh, what What are your thoughts before we get into running down some of the matches? This This was like you said, peak attitude era. It had everybody, all the main players, everyone that was a focal point of the television show each and every week between Raw and SmackDown um, highlighted on this card. Um, I, I, I watched this live. As a matter of fact, it was, I, this is, this is going to sound silly. Okay. But just bear with me for a moment here. <laughs> um, Cause this, this brings me back. Okay. I was going, it was the summer going into my senior year of high school I was working at a concert venue at that time as a as a as a cook, and I was cooking. Um, it was I forget what concert it was, but I remember ordering the pay per view before I left for work, and then I remember calling my brother and telling him to grab the blank tape that's on top of the TV in my bedroom, put it in, and hit record at whatever time the show started, and I came home. It was hot. It was a hot night, okay, in terms of like the weather wise. Summer, it was hot. So the air conditioner was cranked in my room. My brother was already in there, and I start and I, I got home during the TLC match, like wow. the early part of it, okay? So I didn't get to see everything else, but I had it taped, so I wasn't too concerned. My brother was telling me about what happened and this, that, and the other, but. Um, Don't you love yeah, just those? A little, a little footnote there that I wanted. To, yeah, just a little footnote that I wanted to kind of. Uh, point out here but because that made my Mount Rushmore as well another show that just great matches um finishes were 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 good um a lot happened on that show okay a lot happened on that show so let's let's kind of run down the card if you will well just uh, just remember the time like you said like it it was must see at the time, like we didn't, yes. we didn't have that access like everybody does now. Or, no DVR. Or, yeah, no, no streaming to go back and what, like, start from the beginning while it's midway, so you don't spoil anything and try to stay off your phone. Yeah. Uh, God forbid you fucking get on your phone and somebody post it like they're fucking Dave Melter or something. Oh my <laughs> god, I hate that shit. They just post the results quickly. I'm like, oh my god, stop. Yeah. I'm trying to enjoy the show myself. <laughs> Um, but yeah, everybody feels over at this time too on this card, right to center. Everybody had a spot on the show, and, <laughs> yes. and it, this is this. Is, I mean, this wasn't Vince Russo, but this was kind of a, a page out of his out of his book, so to speak, because he would find a place on the show for everybody, and it would have some type of meaning. This was even a more as, organized to, Russo, but it would, like, yeah. But there was more. There was more organization. There was more structure to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a free for all like it was when when he was when he had the book. But yeah, um, uh, let, let let let's run it down because this, this this show was a lot of fun. The feuds felt good too, like the 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 matches, the, like uh, the characters, if you will. Right to censor, mm-hmm. Bull, Bull Buchanan, Godfather, Stevie Richards against Too Cool. So you know mm-hmm. the uh, the the censoring group against the uh, yo. You know, like dance party and having fun. They they did kind of bring two hoes with them. Victoria, one of those. But uh, you know, yeah. just just fun to see how how hated Right to Censor was because the fans were just rabid for trying to see some type of pussy or cleavage or something. <laughs> yeah. um, and too cool. Just let me see a butt cheek. <laughs> too cool. Just just had that gimmick where uh it was the worm and then the stink face and then the dance that they did uh they were over like rover but they could be beat and still be over so uh yep. right to censor picked up the victory 
yeah, that was that was that was a fun opener. Um, like you said, right to censor. Everybody wanted a piece of them because of what they were trying to do. They were a, a very underrated heel faction, and also a, a a kind of a fuck you to the parent television council at that time that was trying to censor the WWF's programming because it was more mature, uh, risque adult content. So I uh, kudos to the creative team at that time for 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 you know putting that out there and and. Uh, Kind of throwing it back at, at the parent television council. I thought that was I thought that was a nice little uh, fuck you to them. Yeah, short short lived uh, short lived um, actual faction though. Um, I remember the game that I had um, WrestleMania 2000 on the Nintendo 64, mm-hmm. where it was like kind of based off of this era of uh, yeah. of the uh, of the WWF. And uh, you could yes. be the right to censor. I ended up making Kurt Angle the leader. Of uh, uh, the right to censor, um, that 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 would have been interesting. Yeah, because he kind of he kind of was you know the opposite of what the other characters on television were with the mature risque content. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, moving on. Next match: X Pac and Road Dog. The uh, the dissolution or the uh, you know de evolution of Degeneration X. Um, a fun match. Uh, really quick though, four minutes and thirty-one seconds. Um, X-Pac gets the victory there by using a low blow, and uh, Road Dog kind of gets his heat back by um, ah, ah, pseudo ass fucking <laughs> X-Pac <laughs> and telling him to suck his dick, and uh, the fans go wild. Yeah, um, I think at that point it was time for DX to you know it had run its course. Yeah, you um, could tell Xbox Two was getting the Xbox heat a lot at this yeah, time. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that, he was getting that go away heat. I never understood um, so it. I, Did you not like him? No, I liked him, but I mean, he was a good like weasel, like you know, out of that group. Like he played like a, a you know a good slimy guy. Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't see, I didn't really care for the tag with him and Road Dog, and I think that was only done out of necessity because Billy Gunn was hurt at that time. Okay, so. Um, I, I didn't really care for it. It was, I, I, I didn't see it going any, any further than it did. So I guess this was kind of a natural progression for the two of them to, to, to have this little mini rivalry to see like who the better man was, so to speak. Um, but I mean, it, it, at that time, DX definitely needed a break. It was, it had run its course. Um, so yeah, I was, uh, it, Short, but it, it was short and sweet and to the point. Yeah. Um, next up, an intergender match again. Eddie Guerrero in China defeated Trish Stratus and Val Venus. Um, China wins the Intercontinental Chat Championship, becoming one of the first women to win it, right? Uh, yeah, she was the... Well, this was the second time she had won the title, but she was the first woman to win the Intercontinental Championship here. Uh, this was okay. Yeah. Um... But the I characters mean, fit, you know. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't terrible, but you know the. A lot of people will shit on the stipulation. You know the 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 winner who gets the pinfall becomes the champion, and the champion yeah. might not get pinned. I mean, that was their way to kind of save face for Val Venus, who at that time was in the middle of a transition. He was kind of taking a more serious role as, um, and, and this was right before he would join the right to censor. Actually. Yeah. I kind of got behind him too a little bit, and I was like, "Oh, I could see him being more serious." Um, 
but I thought honestly, I thought that they were gonna that he was gonna be in the WWF title picture because at at one point in time when he was doing the 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 adult film star character, he was over. Yes, I mean, I and, and I thought honestly during that time period that we would have seen this adult film star character uh, win the WWF championship. Like mm-hmm. I, it, you know, attitude era. I thought like. All bets were off. He's going to be on Playgirl. Yeah. Like, I thought, honestly, that he was going to be, like, their next Shawn Michaels. Like, their next, like, not in terms of, like, quality when it comes to, like, work rate, but the the, the heartthrob, you know, um, boy toy kind of character. Mm-hmm. That's what I kind of saw that so I was, and, I, and that's where I further saw that he was going to, you know, eventually become WWF champion. And for whatever reason, they, it just didn't. It didn't happen. And I don't know why. I honestly do not know why. But um, he was still figured into the plans. They were just kind of trying to find a new new spot for him on the card. And then eventually I think it worked out well with the right to censor because he was someone that was once a filthy, sleazy character and then reformed by Stephen Richards and the right to censor group. Hmm. Uh, I, think, uh, I think, too, uh, uh, this could be uh, just... I'm just interjecting. Maybe Triple H th- yeah. thought that he he looked too similar to him with the long hair, so they make him cut his hair, make it look short, and I don't know. Just too- I mean, that's something that I could I could see that being a, a topic of discussion amongst wrestling fans. Yeah, that's I mean, at that time it was too similar looking was, to the out to the yeah. common fan. I could see that. Um, yeah. Anyhow, all right, moving on. Jerry Lawler defeating Taz. Uh, yeah, uh, not too much you to say. You care about for this it? One. I mean, it it was fine. Taz is okay. Jerry Lawler is fine. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a big Jerry Lawler guy. So, yeah, I I was at that time. I was a little disappointed. I was I was glad to see that they were taking Taz a little more seriously. Um, but by the same token, I was expecting him to 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 get the best of Lawler. Um, I thought the finish was fun. JR smashes the candy jar over his head while he's got him in the Taz mission. Um, the buildup to it I thought was pretty good. You know, like I said, they were like, Taz came in hot earlier that year, choked out Kurt Angle, and then he just kind of, you know, yeah. went, went you know, downward spiral. But then they kind of built him back up, and I thought this was going to be the start of it. Once again, in my head, I thought, oh, they'll put him in, like, the Intercontinental title picture with, like, the guys like Jericho and... Guerrero and things like that, but that didn't come to be either. Yeah, I, I I had high hopes for Taz as well, but again, I think working with Jerry Lawler just brings you down a peg. Now, why don't you like Lawler? I don't that. like older Lawler. I like younger Lawler. I just don't like, I mean, okay. he's, 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 I don't know, he just brings the pace of the match down a lot, and it's just the same thing because okay. he's been wrestling since the 70s. So. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so you'll watch old Jerry Lawler stuff over yeah. that yes. period of time. Yes, of course. Like, w- at what point do you stop watching Jerry Lawler content? <laughs> I don't I don't stop. No. I just... Uh, no, but I mean just like the, the period of time. I like, guess when he, stop, when he like, arrives back in WWF in 1994, in, in, 93. 93? Yeah. So the stuff with Bret Hart you didn't really care for? No. Okay. I just did not. Right. Um, didn't. Okay. I, I just thought the pace was always slow, and it was just 
He's just punch, 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 punch. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fair. That's fair. No, I'm just curious. That's all. Yeah. A lot of a lot of people think you know highly of him as like one of the greatest workers of all time. And there's stuff that you do watch, and you're just like, oh wow, that's you know. Yeah. Didn't really think they didn't really think of that, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um. All right. Next match: Steve Blackman and Shane McMahon Hardcore Championship. Uh. Wow. This is where Shane McMahon takes that epic bump. Um. And Steve Blackman was pretty over at the time. I had hopes for him kind of moving up the card as a child, uh, but I was always a Shane O'Mac fan, um, even him being a heel. Um, but yeah, this this is a memorable moment. This was a period of time where the hardcore title was like must-see TV on their programming. When yep. they had the 24-7 rule, yeah. Crash Holly made it. like you know, You ever heard guys in the business say, like, the title doesn't make the man, the man makes the title? Uh-huh. Well, I think this was the opposite. Right. I think the title made the man because I think Blackman, as interesting of a character as he was with the the lethal weapon, the martial arts, he was he was missing something. And putting him in those hardcore matches and him, you know, the lethal weapon, and he would use the kendo sticks and and, and all that other stuff. I thought like that really helped him as a character mm-hmm. as a, a, on television. The, the the title picture of the hardcore title and it made the hardcore title very important i think more important at times than like even the european or the intercontinental title on that uh, during that period of time in wwf mm-hmm. but very memorable with the shane mcmahon bump um i i liked it i thought it was pretty cool um yeah it, fun fun match overall mm-hmm uh, two out of three falls match. Chris Benoit defeating Chris Jericho two to one falls. Wow. Uh, just a banger work rate match. Um, these guys always put on classic bouts, um, and this is one of them that stands out. Um, I-, I love this match. Just going back and watching this. And, of course, they blurred out. Uh, no, no, that's not here. Uh, I'll bring that up when it's. Uh, is he the Intercontinental Champion here? Benoit? Yeah. No, it was no. Guerrero. Oh, okay. Or sorry, it sorry, Chi- sorry, Chi- sorry. Valvinus, it's China. Then, that, it's, yeah, it's, China the, would win. it's the next one that I'll, I'll bring it up. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Benoit defeating uh, Jericho here. A classic match. I'll I'll be honest with you. At that time, I didn't really care to see the match. Oh. Not because I didn't. Well, here's why. Not because I didn't think that they would put on good matches because I wasn't concerned about that. I, I was a little... Dis- disappointed as a fan because I wanted to see Jericho and Triple H have another classic because the month prior at Fully Loaded they had that that wild last man standing match mm-hmm. where they both bled buckets. Um, Benoit was in the main event against The Rock and Kurt Angle who had just won King of the Ring a month prior wrestled Undertaker. So that Fully Loaded had looked like it was representing a, like a a resurgence of younger talent into the main event scene. Granted, the or, finishes or newer were talent. Rock, newer talent, I should say. Yeah, excuse me. Did Rock had beaten Benoit? Undertaker beat Kurt Angle. Triple H beat Jericho. But I kind of wanted to see a continuation of all three of those matches at SummerSlam, mm. and so I didn't really like. I didn't really have 
And I thought like there was still like unfinished business with Jericho and Hunter. Yeah, like, was this even the moment? To, despite that finish, where did where did Jericho pick up the uh, the WWF title? When was that? That was on an episode of Monday Night Raw a couple of months prior. Okay, so it's still continuing. It's part of the storyline, though, right? Well, it, w- did, see, because I remember being Jer- hard on Jericho too. Like as far as like I wanted him in the WWF Championship. Uh, picture so he won that title that 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 victory took place on like a monday night raw in like april okay of 2000 then fully loaded was in july gotcha and they kind of picked up him and triple h again after that okay and then they had the finish triple h went over last man standing and then they moved jericho into something with benoit Mm. which i felt was kind of like like i said i didn't I knew they were going to have a great match, but I still wanted to see Jericho and Hunter. I wanted to see Benoit in the title picture. Gotcha. Because even the finish to Benoit and Rock at that pay-per-view at Fully Loaded left left it open for a rematch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So I was kind of hoping to see maybe a couple of rematches from Fully Loaded into SummerSlam, but we'll get into the, the main event shortly. But the Benoit-Jericho match, surprisingly, I, mean, I should say surprisingly, it was... Well, actually, yeah. Surprisingly, it was shorter than I expected for two out of three falls. Thirteen minutes. But yeah. it was still, it was still a fun match. It, it, both guys, you know, great chemistry with each other. They tore it up. It was. I have no complaints about the match itself. Yeah. Uh, the next one, the uh, table ladders and chairs match. It's the first one. Edge and Christian defeating the Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys. Eighteen. Yeah. Minutes. What can I say, man? Love it. Uh, that was that was a classic. Yep. Absolute classic. Yep. Stemming from their WrestleMania triangle ladder match, they upped the ante with, you know, adding tables and chairs to the mix. This is this is one that, you know, will last a lifetime. Nobody could top this. Yeah. Uh Cat defeating Terry in a stink face match. As Pat Patterson would say, we need the little gaga. Yeah. This that was a pop, that, that was a popcorn match. The best part of that match was when Al Snow had the cat on his shoulders and he turned her around and he was you know, face into the crotch area. Mm-hmm. That was that was pretty funny. But other than that, it was it was what it was, man. It's, yeah, I forgot about that match. To be honest with you, had we seen Cat's tits yet? Oh uh, yes, we did. Yeah, I think I was just Armageddon. Still, still hoping 1999. We would, I was still hoping we would see him again. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, Kane versus the Undertaker, and then a no contest. Seven minutes. Um, I don't know about you, but. I was kind of over seeing Kane and Undertaker against each other yep. because we had seen it so many times a couple for the last few years. Uh, this was the period of time, I, I, and if I remember correctly, the original plan for, for Kane and Undertaker at SummerSlam was for them to be a team to take on Big Show and Shane McMahon. But this was around the time when Big Show came back and Vince was not impressed with how he looked and his weight so he sent them back down to Ohio Valley. Um, and then they shifted plans and they had Kane turn on Undertaker. This was one of those things where it was like they they, they went to the well when it came to that storyline. Um, I didn't have any great desire to see the match. Um, it was what it was. And, yeah, I mean, the mask coming off at the end when Undertaker pulled his mask yeah. off. And you saw, like, remnants of his face. Uh, I was like, wait a minute, isn't he supposed to be burned? Uh-huh. Like, isn't he burned alive? Like, and 
you didn't really, you couldn't really tell, but it was okay. What about you? What did you think of that? There was a lot of intrigue uh, as a kid after the mask getting ripped off. I was like, oh shit, can you see it? Like I kept trying to like pause and see on the tape. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And before then, Kane had stolen Undertaker's motorcycle, which kind of signified part of the feud as well. Yes, Uh, I do remember that. Yep. I don't know. They it kind of just like like you said before. It was like brother versus brother. Now it's like now we're just in a basic wrestling feud. Uh, And I don't know. uh, Neither one wanted to. Neither one could kind of like. have a loss right here at the time so they did a no contest <laughs> in a no disqualification yeah. match uh, but anyhow yeah i guess that's what they needed for the finish rip his mask off and he'll just leave um but yeah next one coming up uh, a triple threat match for the wwf championship had a lot of story going into it um with triple h uh stephanie mcmahon and kurt angle and then the rock uh, coming out the victor here, um, right at the beginning of the match, Kurt Angle gets knocked out, or, or towards the beginning of the match, Kurt Angle gets knocked out, uh, but through a pedigree on the table, um, and yeah, it's just uh, he 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 comes back later, and this was a hot match at the time. What'd you think? Um, I was slightly disappointed. I had I had just about enough of seeing Rock and Triple H one on one. They had done an Iron Man match. They had wrestled at Backlash. They were a part of the four-way at WrestleMania. Then there was the King of the Ring with the six-man tag where Hunter lost the belt when Vince got pinned. So I was kind of over seeing Triple H in the title picture with The Rock. And that was a part of why I wanted to see Triple H and Jericho continue their rivalry. But um, the Triple H, Kurt Angle, Stephanie McMahon love triangle was a hot topic. And it was probably the number one storyline at the time in WWF. And you couldn't have that trump the championship. So looking back on it, in hindsight, it made sense that they threw the rock in the mix. Hunter and Angle fighting for the affection of Stephanie, but also fighting for the opportunity to be the champion and the rock has the title. So it made all the sense in the world looking back on it. At that time as a kid, as a teenager, I didn't really think it was necessary for the three of them to be in it, but uh, hot match. I like the promo at the beginning when um, um, Kurt Angle was like, I gave your wife more love, um, or you couldn't satisfy your wife, even if your life depended on it, or something to that effect. And the crowd popped. JR was like, Oh, Jesus, would you stop already? You know, it was like it, the, the commentary for it was great. Like the, the, the finish itself, yeah, even though Angle got legitimately hurt during that, during that spot with the table. Um, Everything else worked. Like him and like Rock and Hunter had their, their standard match, but Angle was there for all the right spots. So, um, yeah, it was it was a fun match, hot ending. And when Angle carried Stephanie out at the end, um, and that's how they closed SummerSlam with Kurt Angle uh, leaving with Stephanie McMahon, um, you know, in his arms. That was it. Was that that cliffhanger where it was like, oh shit, yeah. Like, now i got to watch Raw tomorrow. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. Um, loved it. Loved it. Loved it at the time. Still love it. Watching it uh, recently. All right. So you got... And yeah, that's... You got... That's... that's um, Sorry, you got one more, right? 
Yeah, I do. But you know, why don't you give why don't you give us your third? Since yeah. that was since that was your second, and that was my third. Yeah. Why don't you give us your third? All right. Uh, it's the following year. Uh, I I have this one on DVD. It's SummerSlam 2001, uh, August 19th from San Jose, California. Um, I watched this so many times. I I I just love the matches on here. Um, quickly, I'll go through it. Edge defeating Lance Storm, and this is the time when the Alliance is is there. Uh, yeah, and I was a big fan of the Alliance, even though it didn't feature some of the stars that I thought. Um, I just had high hopes. I thought like it would go further. I thought it would be same. Uh, I thought uh, this could like oh man, but they killed it like the following fucking month. Um, yeah, but it was yeah. But this was this was uh, man, and I just I I realize now that I love like promotion versus promotion things. Mm-hmm. Um, or like factions versus uh, part of the company. Uh, if yeah. if it's done right, the story is always intriguing to me. Um, yeah. So this was always fun. Um, Edge representing WWF defeating Lance Storm for the Intercontinental Championship in just a great match. Um, both those guys can work their ass off. Um, and it, it just showed right here two two standouts, well, one from the WWF and one from WCW, uh, and kind of guys at the same level of the card, if you will, you know. Yeah. Um, and then moving on, uh, the Dudley Boys with Test, um, part of the Alliance, defeating APA uh, and Spike Dudley um, in a six man. Tag match. Uh, not too much to talk here about it. Just hard hitting stuff with the APA and everything. Um, and I, I was always a big fan of Tess. So anything he did, I was like, all right, I'll kind of get behind it. Hopefully, there's more for you. Um, and then the next match, X Pac, the cruiserweight champion, against Tajiri, the light heavyweight champion. Um, uh, a nice match here uh, because these guys were innovators of that cruiserweight style and that lightweight style um, that a lot of people emulate to this day. Um, uh, just like that match. Next match, Chris Jericho defeating Rhino. Um, I love the, <laughs> the going into it, Chris Jericho just insulting uh, Stephanie McMahon Helmsley because this was continuing the food feud with uh, Chris Jericho uh, and uh, kind of Triple H and Stephanie uh, throughout the whole th- throughout this whole time he always like uh, fought with them um, mm-hmm. throughout his character in WWF at the at the at the birth of it um, and it, it was a decent match and you just uh, I, I liked I liked Chris Jericho at the time and then the the stuff he would say to Stephanie of course because I was a uh, Young pubescent teen, um, getting get, <laughs> getting my laughs on, but also uh, jerking off to Stephanie. Anyhow, <clears throat> oh, moving on. Uh, wow. Rob Van Dam <laughs> defeating Jeff Hardy uh, in a ladder match for the Hardcore Championship. This one is awesome. Um, these guys are doing everything here, uh, and they try to replicate it like years later in Impact Wrestling, and just uh, you know. Can't can't do it the same here. These guys were peak. I love I love that match. These guys are peak that's, right that's here. An, yeah, and this is an, this is another underrated ladder match. Yes. You know by by today's standard, they didn't do a ton of flying around, 
but they they, they did enough. Um, my favorite part of the match. I don't know if you caught this, but this is this is one that like I rewinded just because I think it's just so funny. Was Jeff Hardy gives RVD a sunset flip off the ladder, yeah. and Jr. is like, "Oh, for God's sakes, the biggest sunset flip in captivity!" <laughs> in captivity, the biggest sunset flip in captivity. Which, what is, it what was is one it, that he's seen in the wild. I know exactly. Did he see like a dinosaur, like give another dinosaur nah, a sunset I, flip, or like I saw Bill Watts uh, get Grizzly Adams uh, a sunset <laughs> flip in the wild. <laughs> Or Danny Hodge and Dan Gable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think going back and watching these SummerSlams too, I've realized that SummerSlam is very reliant on gimmick matches, which is cool. There's a lot of like uh, yep. uh, ma- matches and match stipulations and gimmicks throughout each SummerSlam card that you and I have covered so far. Um, yeah. So another one is a steel cage match. It's the Brothers of Destruction, Kane and Undertaker, badass WCW tag team champions, uh, representing the WWF though, going against DDP and Canyon, who are the WWF tag team champions. Uh, and they just kind of squashed them here. It was sad to see. Uh, I I didn't realize it at the time, but watching it back, I'm like, man, they're not giving these guys much of anything. Um. And I think yeah, I think that I was just like I think that was just Kane's or Undertaker's way of back backstage politicking, trying to save save his spot. Because as much as we love some of our stars, uh, Stone Cold and Undertaker and Triple H, guys like that, and even The Rock to a degree, that they wanted to keep their fucking spot. You know. Let me ask you this question. Yeah. Because this is a question that was posed regarding. DDP's run in the WWE on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, something I don't agree with. Okay, as much as I like listening to Bruce, I don't agree with you know some of the things he has to say. And one of them was Bruce felt like DDP's introduction as the stalker was was needed because he was not over enough with the wrestling audience. Bullshit. Do you? Th- yeah, exactly. Same. I mean, he was a. Then why did everybody? He was, he was t- why did everybody pop? Why did we know who he was when he took off the mask? Yeah, what? And the diamond cutter sign too. Like, come on! Like he he would have he would have done just if they had booked him properly. I think he would have done just fine in WWE as Diamond Dallas Page. But this yep. the stalker thing, it just wasn't. It, it didn't it didn't do it for me, and it and it hurt his career. Yeah, unfortunately, it hurt his career. But that was also their their way of being like, hey, just reminding you, we won the war. Yeah. You know? Like. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, to a degree, I think DDP is kind of just aerobics undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> aerobics undertaker. You know? I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can't take his spot. Um, no. No. Uh, then the next one, I, I just I like this match, even though it's disqualification finish. Uh, Kurt Angle and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, yeah, man, they're putting on a hell of a, a bout here, and like Steve is hurting though um, in real life um, with his neck, and you know Kurt Angle isn't doing too well either. But these guys put on uh, like twenty two minute bout. That's just a classic. Yeah. This is not not many people see um, 
can see positives out of the Steve Austin heel turn, but this was one of them. The the stuff he did with Kurt Angle, I thought was 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 top notch, and and eventually it would catapult him to being a babyface again. Mm-hmm. But um, there there were periods of time where the audience was behind Angle more than they were Austin. Yeah. So um, this was this was an awesome match. A, another underrated match that does not get talked about enough in SummerSlam history. Yeah, and then the next one, uh, The Rock defeating Booker T, 15 minutes um, to win the WCW championship. And at the time, it was just cool for me to see The Rock holding up the big gold belt. Um, And I don't know. I love Booker T and WCW, but I hated when they had to have him have the bookend and he started mimicking The Rock. It was just, yeah. just let him be cool, cool, but not do what The Rock does, like verbatim. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It just, that kind of fell flat, and they kind of buried him after that. Um, oh, yeah. I, I had hopes for Booker T, man. Uh, he didn't really come back until probably, I would say, like, King Booker. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he had little spurts here and there where he was like Intercontinental Champion, U.S. Champion. They tagged him up with RVD, which I thought was a cool team. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, he didn't really he didn't really catch on, I think. I, I think he, his best work in WWE was the King Booker stuff. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, and that would take a number of years for him to really get, get to that level. Right. Yep, so that's it. Uh, that's my number three on my Mount, Mount Rushmore. SummerSlam 2001. I I, kind of have a feeling that you and I are going to share the number four. Okay. So, if I were to take a guess, is your number four SummerSlam 2002? Yes, indeed. Same here. Awesome. That is the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest SummerSlam of all time. So good. So good. I just watched it. Early this morning, yes, just to like read. It really, like, I, like yeah. I, I, I was thinking about like I knew it was going to be up there, and I was like, let me just go back and watch it just to make sure because I was going to either throw in one of the older ones, but then I was like, man, this fucking thing is just amazing. Every match, yes, is so good. Go through it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, first match, Rey Mysterio, and in his in his pay per view debut in WWE against Kurt Angle. Um, and he loses. And it was a classic. But it's okay. Yes, it was, but it was a classic. Yes. I mean, and even you go back, you watch that match. Ray's messing with his mask. Clearly, there's some issues with his mask, but he's still able to do all the great things that he does in the ring. Um, between the uh, the well, more importantly, the finish when he tries to do the hurricane run off the top rope, but Angle catches him and then you know puts him in the ankle lock, and then that's the end of the match. I mean, wall to wall. Amazing stuff. Yeah. And most of us expected them to put Rey Mysterio in the cruiserweight division at that time when he came in because of his size, because of his history as a cruiserweight wrestler in WCW. But they threw him in there with the top dog, one of the top dogs in Kurt Angle. And it was definitely a sign of things to come that Rey Mysterio was going to be a major player in WWE outside of the cruiserweight division with what he was able to do with Kurt Angle in that match. Unbelievable opener. Uh, for SummerSlam. Absolutely. Um, I loved it. Um, this just the, the pace is so like, bam, 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 bam. Everything that Kurt Angle did at the time was snap. Like he was like top of his game 
right here. And then Rey yeah. Mysterio coming in, I, I didn't know if it was going to happen. I was like, you know, I, I was so stoked for Rey Mysterio to come in. I didn't know what mm-hmm. what he was going to look like, you know, how he was going to do it. I did not like the bell-bottom pants. I never did like that. They didn't give him... Really? And yeah, they never gave him, like, the old-school Rey Mysterio gear that he wears now. Cause he doesn't, yeah, which he's kind of taking... He's, yeah, he's kind of throwback now with that. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I, I never liked Shawn Michaels with the bell-bottoms either. Uh, and this is before hmm. it. We'll get to it. But, yeah, uh, yep. hell of a match. Um and hell of a story going into it. Next one too, Ric Flair defeating Chris Jericho via submission in ten minutes. Bring me through it. Yeah, I mean, um, Flair was Flair was still a, a name on the roster, but they were, you know, this was now, mind you, this is this is the early infancy of the brand extension, so they were starting to see they were starting to use Jericho in a more prominent role, and. Putting him in there with Flair, kind of adding that notch to his belt, I think was necessary, even though Flair did pick up the win. Jericho working with Flair, I think, was important for his progression during this period of time. Uh, But this was a fun match, too. Um, This period of time between, I want to say between the end of June, probably till the close to the end of the year of 2002, was probably the best stuff that the brand extension had put out. Because... The brand extension began in March of 2002, and it was a little clunky. They had broken up some tag teams that they shouldn't have. But then when they introduced general managers and you had Bischoff and Stephanie McMahon, you started to see a little bit more structure. Um, There was a lot of talent that was being used that hadn't been used in certain positions before. Benoit and Eddie Guerrero were working main events with guys like The Rock. Um, They were moving Edge up the ladder, which we'll get to him in a minute. So... There was a lot of fresh faces in, in in the title pictures and in the you know in in the in top spots. It was this was a, a pretty cool time for for WWE at least for me as a fan. After like I said, probably about the end of June when they when they started to take the brand extension a little more seriously. Yeah, I always loved the brand extension. It came off the heels of the invasion and kind of a necessity because of the roster was so stacked. Um, yes. And just imagine the brand extension, but it being WCW, you know, instead of SmackDown and Raw. It's WCW. That would have been interesting. You know? I would have liked to have seen that, but I mean, yeah. we got what we got, yeah. and they were still they still cranked out some some pretty fun stuff. But yeah, this was this was awesome at the time. I mean, this card we're we're going through it. Just listen to the names and the matches. I mean, we just had Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio, Ric Flair and Chris Jericho. Next match, Edge and Eddie Guerrero. Just still a fun match. Yeah, fast pace. I mean, these guys are yep. these guys are at the top of their game right here. Um, they would only get better throughout the years. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, we're, it was just tip of the iceberg from what we saw between the two of them. But this was it was still a, a pretty damn good match. I could I couldn't imagine like you know if if Eddie Guerrero had uh, <clears throat> not passed away, the the ongoing feud that he and Edge could have had throughout the years. Latino Heat versus the Rated R Superstar. Fuck. Oh man, right? That would have been some. That would have been some wild stuff. Yeah, with Lita by his side, oh. Edge's side. You know, incorporate that with Eddie, man. Woo. And my wife Vicky right. introduce her finally. Then you get yeah. La Familia, the real Familia, which Edge actually yeah. had as a faction, which is ironic. Yes. 
That would have that would have been some wild stuff. I would have loved to have seen yeah. that. Um, the Un-Americans, Christian and Lance Storm defeating Booker T and Goldust for the WWE Tag Team Championships. Um, never was a fan of Booker T teaming with Goldust. I never took Goldust uh, seriously because they made him a comedy gimmick at the time, um, and I don't know. I was a fan of it. Grew up. It- Say that again. It grew on me their their partnership. Yeah, um, I wasn't I wasn't keen on it at first because I wanted to see Booker T, you know, kind of do well in a singles role. But the Booker T Goldust partnership eventually grew on me. The Un Americans I thought had a lot of potential, and it was one of those things where it was only very short lived. And I I believe one of the reasons why it was short lived was because. Um, Christian and Test did not want to cut their hair, if I'm not mistaken. That's the rumor I had heard, that they wanted those guys to be a little bit more clean cut. And they, they did not want to cut their hair, so therefore they disbanded the faction. But it was a, it, I thought it was very underrated. And I liked that Lance Storm was in a prominent role because he was kind of floundering too. I was a big Lance Storm guy um, during this period of time. So the match was fun, but I wasn't big on Booker and, and Goldust. In this match, but eventually as a, as a tandem, they did grow on me. Yeah. Um, next match, Rob Van Dam defeating Chris Benoit for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. 16 minutes. Love this match. Uh, Chris Benoit came out there with the Intercontinental Championship. It was blurred because, I guess, the WWF logo, but why not blur his face? He's a fucking murderer. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Great match. Yeah. Love it. Fast, fast and it was pace. A, it was a it was a brand versus brand. So RVD was Raw, Benoit was SmackDown, uh, and it was for pretty much the possession of the Intercontinental Championship for the respective brands. So I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was definitely a lot of fun. The two contrasting styles meshed well together, and I'm kind of surprised we didn't see more of those two against each other. I think that was, if I'm not mistaken, that might have been the one and only time they wrestled each other on TV for real. Because uh, that man, that, that I, could, I could be wrong. I could have seen them like you know when RVD ends up getting the WWE championship, uh, him and Chris Benoit having some matches, you know, or, or, oh, or vice yeah. versa. Um, yep. man, th- this was a fun, it was like you said, the style just like it mixed so well, even these, even though the guys have totally different styles. Um, this was yep. very cool. Um, all right, next match, uh, an underrated match. I always love Test, but Undertaker against Test and another, like, you know, uh, one of those brawling big hoss matches, uh, eight minutes. Um, I-, I love it. Test has, like, a playlist of matches that I could go through that are really fun to watch, and it would be less than a half hour. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. Him against The Undertaker, him wow, against Brock. Um, there's like two other ones that he has. Shane McMahon. Yes. Um, and then SummerSlam. Yeah, and then I think is there him in Triple H? I think there was another. He might have had another, a match with Hunter. Yeah, there's yeah. another good one, but they're all like less than like you know ten minutes at the most, and mm-hmm. yeah, they're all fun. Um, but yeah, what do you think of this one? I, it was fun for what it was. Um, they had just turned Undertaker back to being a babyface. Uh, so he was, you know, representing the United States against the Un-Americans. I thought it it, it worked well. It fit. Uh, yeah, I got no complaints about it. It was it, it was a pretty damn good match for what it was. Yeah. All right. The next match, I was so 
hyped for this as a kid, even though I hated Shawn Michaels. He was coming back, though. An absence from the ring. Shawn Michaels against Triple H. Unsanctioned street fight. Shawn Michaels wins. 27 minutes and 20 seconds. Man, just the build-up to this was classic Triple H stuff. He had been the top heel for a while. And finally, now that, you know, the invasion had kind of uh, waved over, um, now we have everything kind of settling down with uh, the card, I guess. You know, the roster getting back in order. Triple H solidifying himself as the top heel again until the eventual split where he would be the, the WCW or, you know, the world heavyweight champion. Uh, he would mm-hmm. they, they would almost have to do that because he was so strong on that roster um and a lot of people argue like uh, why have two titles but i think at the time there was kind of a necessity for it i did love the traveling champion Uh, anyways i'm getting ahead of myself triple h is great here um oh this is this is awesome yeah this is a classic um i i as a Shawn michaels fan i was over the moon that he was coming back for this match I was kind of, you know, curious as to what the, what he was going to be able to do, True. and you know, because of the, the the severity of his back issues that was that was made public, um, and I and for me, I need a little continuity in my in my storytelling when it comes to 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 wrestling. And when Shawn Michaels left in 1998, on his way out the door, Triple H kind of. If you remember that promo when he introduced X Pac and formed the new DX, he kind of you know blamed Michaels for the downfall the of the ball. original DX. Exactly. So I was kind of hoping that we were going to see him and Hunter mix it up when Sean came back to TV as a reminder that like you know don't worry I didn't forget what you said on my way out and they kind of alluded to that in this storyline and and the the history the two of them have as friends and the buildup just was. A to Z, it was top-notch. The match itself, Hunter reestablishing himself as a top heel at that time. Um, and if Shawn Michaels had never wrestled again after this, I'd have been perfectly fine with it. But he eventually would go on to build on his body of work for eight more years. Yeah. Uh, which, which as a fan, was a treat for me because I was a huge Shawn Michaels guy. Shawn's in my top, you know, of of favorites of all time. He's up there with Hogan and, and Savage. And it was just, it, it was so great to see. I mean, the, the, the coming out in the jeans with the cowboy boots, like that to me at that point, I was like, well, that, he, this is definitely a one-off because he's, you know, he's here for a fight. Right. This isn't a match. He's here for a it's fight. Like they didn't and, even have gear made for him. <laughs> yeah. Or he didn't, or he, yeah. or I mean, from what I've from what I've read, from what I understand, this was an this was technically only supposed to be a one off, and um, I think that finish at the end when Hunter nails him with the sledgehammer and puts him out on the stretcher, that was when they realized, okay, there's there's a little more to it than this. Maybe he can come back for a couple. And then fighting you know, for that world the, heavyweight championship. Wow, you're like whoa. Yeah, in the poop brown. Uh, with the uh, Dutch boy tights with the Dutch boy haircut yeah. at, at Survivor Series yeah. yeah but other than that this match man classic 
I actually one of the very early episodes of Kicking Out of Two is a watch along with my buddy Chris Donovan and I. We watched this match. Um, you can find that in the archives as well. Retromania, search it with Retromania with a W. But yeah, this is unbelievable. And this was for me. This was the match that sold it for me for SummerSlam. Like this was the one that I had to see. Well, this was awesome they, because they they, they over delivered. Yeah, this is awesome too because it, it's like. You always hear the story of, like, Shawn Michaels is so incredible. And at the time, I was like, man, he screwed Brett. You know, I hated him. But then watching this match, I was like, he's fucking amazing in the ring. You know? Yep. Just told a story. 100%. Yeah. It was amazing to see. Uh, even at the time, I, I kind of had, like, that feeling in my stomach of, like, he's coming back. It's like, wow, what a great feeling, like, you know, to see him come back. And the, the, the crowd reaction was awesome here. And then the main event, Brock Lesnar defeating The Rock for the WWE Undisputed Championship in 16 minutes. Uh, Wow. 20 fucking years ago, Brock Lesnar was introduced with Paul Heyman um, and dominated. And this is where the crowd kind of started to turn on The Rock. Um, The match Mm -hmm. is still fun. There's a couple of whoopsies by Brock, but, you know, uh, this is a fun match. And when Brock won, I remember watching and being like, yeah, like I wanted The Rock to win at the beginning of the match. And then by the end, I was like, I want Brock to win. Um, Even though I was kind of behind Brock, I was like, I didn't know if it was too soon or not. But uh, it's great. 20 years later, Brock is still killing it. And The Rock is. (laughs) Um, What are your thoughts? You know, I going into that match twenty years ago, I I wasn't really too sure about. I, I mean, I knew that Brock was going to be a big deal someday. I didn't think it was going to happen as quickly as it did. And so he wins the King of the Ring, and then they kind of pair him up with the Rock, and I'm like, okay, this is a little interesting. But then those training vignettes that they showed with both guys, where like the Rock is like running up the stairs at like the the, the Orange Bowl. In Miami, and Brock's, you know, lifting up the telephone poles and and all the the the, the training vignettes that you would see between the two of them. Then it was like, okay, like they're building this as like a real athletic competition between these two super athletes, these two almost prized fighters, if you will. Like this is cool, and that was where I was like, okay, they're 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 definitely going to give it to Brock. And I just had a feeling that Rock wasn't going to be around that long. He was coming in. He was here to put Brock over. And then we saw Brock win the title, and I was like, "All right, like this is the real deal now. Like they're they're really getting behind him. He's like going to be, you know, one of their next big guys." I was disappointed that Rock was leaving because I was a big fan of the Rock, but by the same token, um, they they had introduced Brock into the fold as a as a top guy, putting the belt on him, and I was intrigued to see what was to come with Brock as champion and his run as champion at that that first time did not disappoint. So match was great. Like you said, a couple of oopsies, but for the most part, crowd was into it and it was a great way to cap off a phenomenal SummerSlam. Like I said, the greatest SummerSlam of all time, 2002. Man, this has been a lot of fun and we did not even plan that, but it, it just worked out like that. That is the beauty of uh, going into it the way that we did that was awesome yes Art Mel Rushmore of SummerSlams Uh, Dave you want to sign us off Vince McMahon style um do I got do I got enough (coughs) Um, if if not I can I can do do the uh, 
then, now, and forever, together. This has been a production of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm Vince McMahon of the future, the retired Vince McMahon signing off. For Kobe Nina and Dave Rosenbluth, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Oh, that was fun.